and welcome to Bonnets at Dawn. I am your host, Lauren Burke. And I'm your host, Hannah Chapman. And this week, no one is Team Austin or Team Bronte. Because because uh, we are the Team Living. Yes, we not are. the undead. Not the undead. Definitely not. Um, yeah, I just, you know, I like Halloween and I love scary stories so I just wanted to use this as an opportunity to pull together some spooky stories and um, share them with you all. I am too scared of spooky stories. You are? I'm like, for someone who insists so heavily that they don't believe in spooks, I am very nervous. Really? I think the only reason that I get out of bed in the morning is because I tell myself they don't exist. But then anytime I read a ghost story or watch something a little bit spooky on TV. I then can't go to the bathroom on my own and I have to sleep with the light on. And I'm I'm an adult. I get yeah, you are quite easily. I dude, come on. You spent like two months in my house. It's totally yeah, haunted. And you kept talking about your ghost and I would scream at you to not talk <laughs> to me about your ghost because it was too upsetting. Oh my gosh. Can, is that your ghost like, in the background? <laughs> that is a creature that I'm going to kill. Henry, what is this? <laughs> He's ripping up a box. I've never seen him do this. He looks like a kangaroo. It's really distressing. I'm it's probably because he sees something, something that you don't see. Wait. I've scared him out. I threw a tissue at him. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, um... I live in a pleasantly haunted house. You know, I, I don't think it's it's too bad. Knock on wood. Hannah, um, I woke up in the night and I felt a ghost sitting on my bed. A pleasantly yeah. haunted house, you say. That is too much. And also, it did mean that every time the wind like blew your attic door a little bit, pooed yeah. my pants. Yeah, straight that up. is scary. Um, I will Wasn't say happy. I, uh, I was joking with a friend of mine about my house being haunted one night and, um, our door in our dining room was open and that door goes up to our attic and, um, she was just like, stop it. Your house is not haunted. And I was like, oh yeah, like weird things happen all the time. And she was like, like what? And that door then just slammed. <laughs> no, I would yeah. have left. And she know. got, she got up and left. <laughs> Did she? Yeah, it was yeah. Ashley. She just got up and she was like, nope, okay, goodbye. I knew I liked Ashley. I Ashley, I would do the same thing. <laughs> and when I say, I mean, I didn't really have a choice. Like, I just had to live in that house, listen to your ghost stories. And then, like, and also there was that crucifix hanging above my bed at night. Yeah. So each night before bed, I would look at that, say a little prayer that I'd wake up in the morning. It's you know. true. So the previous owners left a bunch of um, crucifixes and there's little like saints and stuff all over the house, which we just kept in place. We're like, yeah, this probably is a good idea. Just leave them here. My God. <laughs> but um, you have some spooky stories, right? I have. I had an experience, Lauren. <gasps> what? I don't know the story at all. So I'm actually really excited. I, well, I'm spooking myself out just thinking about it. So, you know, I do historical reenactments. Yes. I don't, I don't know if you know this about me, but I do 14th century historical reenactment. 
And uh, so last summer we were at my, which is now my favourite castle, Caerphilly Castle in Wales. Mm-hmm. And um, as part of this like big cheese festival, we That sounds were there. great. I, Lauren, you would love, you would love the big cheese at Caerphilly Castle. I love the big cheese at Caerphilly Castle. Um, there's a lot of people at these events and mm-hmm. you are kind of constantly... Uh, people are taking your picture. People are laughing at you. Um, every time you queue for the toilet, I feel obliged to make the same joke, which is, oh, I've been queuing for a long time. Hey! <laughs> Do you get it? Because it's like, um, like it. I've been there for hundreds of years. I yeah. Like it. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I thought I'd take myself off for a little walk. And you, there's this tower, and you go up the tower, and then there's this very long corridor and it's dark, and it goes past the Great Hall, and you can hear everyone in the Great Hall, but you can't see them. Mm-hmm. And then through these tiny little windows, you can look out over the moat and into, like, the town of Carefully. And it was suddenly very quiet. And I was on my own. And bearing in mind there are hundreds of, you know, possibly thousands of people at this event, it felt very weird to be on my own Mm -hmm. quite suddenly in this corridor. And as I was walking along, I was thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I might be about to see a ghost. Like I might be in a haunted corridor. This is, this is really scary. And then I realized I could be the ghost. (laughs) Because I was looking out of the window and I realized that anybody looking into the castle would see distressed face (laughs) of a young woman in 14th century clothing in an isolated corridor of a castle. Yeah. Staring at them. Um, And so by this point, I was at the far end. And then I was like, I've got to get back. I've got to find a person. I have to know for definite that I'm in 2017 and that someone isn't just going to walk through me. So then I start running back down the corridor and I still, like, there's just no one there, no one is coming, and I'm just running down this corridor, and I'm looking out the windows, and I'm like, oh my gosh, 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 oh my gosh. I'm more and more and more and more scared, and then I ran into, like, an American couple. Oh, thank God. They probably- like, just ran into them. They probably loved you, too. It's like, oh my gosh, I was there. <laughs> like, went back down to the tower, and then when I had a little cry in my tent. <laughs> I think um, that story is like a great way for you to begin like a young adult series. Yeah, I mean, that's, it felt like that's like what was happening to a me. A historical reenactor who like goes back in time. And bearing in mind, because we sleep in these castles overnight, I I have spent uh, probably altogether now like a week in Carefully Castle. Mm-hmm. After hours, in the pitch black, I climbed the Tower of Carefully Castle at 3am Maybe I shouldn't say that on the podcast, but I did. And that was like a little bit spooky, but I was with someone else and we had torches. So it wasn't scary. And this was in the middle of the day. And I think it was the isolation. And I just really, I just really worked myself up. So you maybe really that's did. a good horror story. But I thought well, that I, I turned myself into a ghost. I was the ghost of my own <laughs> horror story. I like it. I think it's a good story. I'm into well, it. Well, thanks. It's going to be the start of my new YA series. Yeah, I I totally think you should write it. (laughs) I will edit it for you if you like. Thank you. And then we'll make a million dollars and get a Netflix deal. 
So someone else who should get a Netflix deal, which terrible transition guys, but I just had to go for it, is Kelly Taylor. Now Kelly is our first interview this week. She is um, the founder of Creepy Co, which is an awesome enamel pin company. And um, yeah, she also was an amateur ghost hunter. So yeah, enjoy that interview. After Kelly, we have Maggie, our gal pal from Twitter. And our last interview will be Robin from Drunk Austin. Okay, I, I'm going to try and stick to this. I don't know how well I'm going to do. Uh, so so I mentioned, again, that, that I always preface it by saying that I've had three, three main things that have happened to me in my career as an armchair ghost hunter mm-hmm. that seem... T- to be the closest to irrefutable evidence that I can... I mean, there's been some other things that I'm like, okay, this is a possibility. So so three big things, and then w- one of them is the strangest and uh, most convincing, because I feel like uh, I'm, I'm still a healthy skeptic, although Suze would probably disagree with that, because I do get excited. People mm-hmm. who are interested in, in this type of... Thing, get, get overly excited sometimes and you have to remind yourself this is something that we don't know much about so we have to take everything with a grain of salt but that being said I will tell you my story yeah. so back in 2000 I want to say 2003 is when I started ghost hunting and I'm doing air quotes here because I'm um, what I considered ghost hunting in my small hometown um, was going out with some friends um, in the middle of the night late with a, a digital recorder and a flashlight to the local cemetery which was open you could get in to um, 24-7 which made it really appealing not very dangerous I'm originally from a small Arizona town called Yuma it's on the border of Mexico and California and it's um, kind of ri- rich historically there's the uh, Yuma Historic, or Yuma, what is it called? Yuma Territorial Prison, which is where they used to funnel a lot of um, prisoners in the Wild West, you know, nice. um, that were in California and the West Coast. So they'd all go to this, basically it was built out of rock with bars, and it was swelteringly hot in the summer. Um, and lots of people died there, and they have their own prison graveyard on a hill it's very spooky and uh, so obviously rife with ghost stories and and whatnot so if you're listening look it up Yuma Territorial Prison it's got some great history Um, I got interested in ghost hunting and I started going out on a regular basis and we do a question and answer thing I'd ask questions I'd get answers that were not from anyone in our immediate group, and it was intriguing to me. One time we went out to the cemetery in the car because the um, old and new parts of the cemetery you can drive around in as is typical for, you know, um, um, a city uh, cemetery. So I was lost, it was dark, and I didn't know which way to go, and I didn't want to run over headstones. So I asked um, my cousin, I said, which way do I need to go? When we played the thing back, there was a small girl's voice, little girl's voice that said, stay on the left. And I'm pretty sure there wasn't a little girl in the car and nobody said that. 
So that was probably one of the earliest things that got me hooked. Um, but, okay, to the actual story. <laughs> no, no, that's good. To the actual story. So it's Yuma. It's about 2003. I have these close friends, Karen and Megan, we'll call them, um, to protect their identities. Uh, it is a small world after all. They, uh, Karen and, and Megan were, were not married because that was not legal at the time, back in 2003 in, in Arizona, no less. Uh, they had a son named Christopher, and Christopher was named after Karen's um, deceased brother, who was quite young when he died. He was in a, a car accident, and they, uh, Christopher was his namesake. So we were at their house one night, just kind of hanging out, and we were talking about, um, you know, spooky things, and Megan mentioned that the house they were in, her mother passed away in, of a terminal illness, excuse me, and um, if you're not comfortable with death, that can be kind of a, a weird concept, you know, to be in a house where somebody died, and I think a lot of people automatically assume, oh, it must be haunted. So we decided to put that theory to, you know, um, to test that theory, if you will. Um, I, at that point, was carrying my recorder with me everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I said, you guys want to put out the recorder somewhere and we'll play a game of Scrabble or, or I don't know, Trivial Pursuit, I think is what we played. And then when we're done, we can go back and listen to it. And they said, sure, yeah, let's do it. So we put the recorder in their bedroom. Um, while we played, so we wouldn't contaminate the recording with, with our voices or noise, you know. So we'd be able to tell whether or not a voice was like a non-corporeal voice or if it was in fact one of us speaking. Uh, so after we did that, we, you know, we played the game, came back and I, I put my earbuds in and started listening. And for anybody who's ever listen to a, a ghost hunter talk about um, about the con or what goes into hunting itself it's like 30% actual visiting a place and taking measurements and uh, recording and the rest of it is sitting there and looking at pouring over all of the whatever you get back right for evidence and EVPs are one of the hardest because you literally have to sit and listen to hours worth of, of tape or, or digital files to see if anything in fact happened. Uh, so I'm sitting there and I get something and rather than tell the person I want to share this with what I'm hearing, I like to try and get their interpretation of what, of what I think I'm hearing so that it's not very scientific but it's closer than saying oh I think I got somebody saying you know X Y and Z and they say oh I hear that too because it's a whole pareidolia uh, humans want to make sense out of disorder and it, power of suggestion so I tell Karen I say Karen I have something here and it's really interesting we want to take a listen so I back it up and I put the buds in her ears and she listens and I look at her and she just turns white. There's that thing where people say, oh, you look like you've just seen a ghost. Well, it was like that, but 
it was kind of one of those you had to be there to see it type things. And she rips the earbuds out and she just loses her shit, for lack of a better way of explaining this. She runs out of the house hysterically, down the steps onto her gravel driveway, and she's on her knees sobbing. And, and I feel really bad at this point because I don't really understand what the significance is to her. It took us a good 20 minutes or so to get her to calm down. But after she did, she said that was Christopher's voice because it was a young male in his late teens, early 20s. And the thing is that it was a very good specimen. They usually rate EVPs like um, C, B, or A, A being the highest quality and being very rare. I would say this is a cl- one of the closest to A's I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And it was a male voice saying, I can see a, I can see a Karen, I almost said the, her actual name. Mm-hmm. I can see you, Karen. I can see you. It, w- it was, it, thinking back on it kind of gives me chills. Um, and then for her to corroborate that she was hearing what I in fact heard mm-hmm. and that it sounded just like Christopher. Um, so after we kind of got her calmed down, I, I apologized to her and she said, no, this is, this is good. I like this. I'm freaked out, but I like this. And she said, I want to do it again. And I said, well, I don't think that's such a good idea. Um, first of all, we don't really know what's going on here, if this is real. And she said, no, that was Christopher. That sounded just like if you were to have recorded him when he was alive. Uh, that was his voice. Um, <laughs> so what we do is she says, I want to go back in the bedroom, but we're all going to sit there and we're going to ask questions. And I was like, okay, I will happily join you in this, but I'm a little, I'm a little concerned for your, for your, your state of mind at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, we go back into the bedroom and we sit on the bed and we ask questions. And Karen is kind of upset at this point. And she goes, she says something like, because this is her brother that she's talking to, right? She's like, why did you do it? And I don't really know the whole story because she has never disclosed how he died. Why did you do it? You know, she says into the, into the air, right? It's kind mm-hmm. of very bizarre because we're sitting there asking nothing, essentially. And she's really pissed off. Why did you do this? And it wasn't until after we ended that session that I asked her if she wouldn't mind sharing us with us what happened to Christopher. And she said that one night um, he was driving from one place to another. It was very late. He was not intoxicated. He was tired. He was overly tired. So he fell asleep at the wheel and he hit a tree and he died instantly. Um, and Karen was explaining how she always thought that it was very stupid of him to, do- to have done that because he was very young. Um, so after she tells us the story, gives us some background, I go back and I listen again, and I get another voice coming through, Mm -hmm. and it's just as good as the first, and I'm thinking, well, this is very strange because this never happens, so I want to try and explain this away, but at the same time, I'm asking, 
um, Karen if she wants to go ahead and move forward with this, you know, because I don't know if she's prepared to hear whatever this is that I hear. She says, I'm ready. <laughs> and I put the buds back in her ears. And this, I, the same thing happens. She flips out. She's crying hysterically. Um, and afterward, uh, after we get her to calm down again, um, I, I ask her, what, what was that that she heard? And she said, that was my mother, who's also, who's also dece deceased at this point. That was my mother saying something was a little unintelligible in the beginning. Something, something, head on straight. And we're sure that it's, it, it says head on straight, but I don't understand the significance of this. Uh, so, so then Karen explains, well, my mom always used to tell people um, after this happened that Christopher just didn't have his head on straight. Mm -hmm. That was her right. go-to response to the to the T to the letter. He didn't have his head on straight. So I'm sitting here in the afterglow of this creepy, weird thing that's just happened, and I'm s equal parts uh, freaked out for one, but also um, deeply intrigued because some. Some of these things, well, all of these things that, that Karen told us are things that I had no prior knowledge of, mm -hmm. that I couldn't have possibly known. I never asked. She was always very hesitant to, to, to talk about it. So to have that sort of um, validation or something that's not, again, this wasn't, um, this wasn't done under very controlled circumstances. It wasn't... Uh, what do you call that? An experiment of, of, you know, it was just very on the fly, but there was just sort of this um, personal aspect mm -hmm. that was deeply, um, I don't even know what the word is, just, uh, what am I searching for here? I, I don't want to say proof, but that was the closest to proof that I've ever come, personally. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do a whole lot of EVP after that, just in... Um, uh, fits and starts, but that will always remain. And I wish I still had the recordings, but I don't. Mm -hmm. um, that will always remain my personal. Mm, what do we call it? What can we call that? Just like your aha moment, or is it? Like yeah, that, like, sure. Yeah, the validation moment. Yeah, yeah, to yeah it was totally validating. Totally validating. Did, Part of, yeah. You stopped like kind of pretty much after that, then, or Nuts. did you like? lose interest or time or not stopped entirely I think that sometimes maybe if if you find something you're some sometimes your natural instinct is to stop looking mm -hmm. just because you might prove yourself wrong I'm going to start with the first one that involves him, and then I'm going to go to the second one that his uncle told him. Okay. Um, first one, when he was younger, it was the first vacation that he had taken without his brother. So it was him and his mother and his dad and a couple other cousins, and they decided that they were going to go all the way out to the moors, like really close or maybe even into Scotland, <laughs> like middle of nowhere, and they decided to rent this old kind of mansion looking home he didn't like tell me how old but 
like they decided to rent that and they went out and he said that once you turned off the main road, it was like a solid five, six minute drive into the middle of nowhere to get to this house. Mm -hmm. And there was just nothing around it. So it was just the absolute middle of nowhere. And it was him. He was the he was the kid. He was the teenager at the time and everybody else was older. So he was like, I need a place to get away from everybody. And as they were picking rooms, they're going through these old rooms and they all kind of look a little bit like worse for wear. And he ends up going up a flight of stairs that was back kind of tucked away almost. And it turned out to be this attic room that was real, real small up at the top of the house. And he decides, okay, this is going to be mine because it's tiny and it's away from everybody else. Like, realistically, everybody else was couples, so they wouldn't have been able to uh, to fit up there anyway, because it was just okay. like a small, a small twin bed. So he decides to go, he decides that that's going to be his room. He tells his parents, they're like, okay, cool. And so he leaves his stuff up there, and they go back down, and they spend the night, they like, they hang out like like you do. You just sit around the, sit around the kitchen table talking, and he goes to go back up to go to sleep, like he's... He tells his parents, I'm going to peace. You guys are getting boring. I'm going upstairs. Mm -hmm. And so he goes to this flight of like attic stairs and he gets to, I think he said the second stair from the top and just freezes. And he's, he said it was like all of the happiness in the world had been drained from my body. Like I just felt this feeling of utter like sorrow and despair. He compared mm -hmm. it to like getting your soul sucked out of you by a dementor. Mm -hmm. And like, he's not a Harry Potter person, but, and he was like, he just froze and stood there and couldn't move because he was so just drained of everything. Mm -hmm. It was like somebody, he, he was like, I have no explanation for this. I was fine when I went up the stairs. So he just decides as soon as he kind of recovers from it to peace out, go back down the stairs and tell his dad and he and his dad was the most like logical man on the planet. Like he was an RAF pilot. He was an engineer. He had an explanation for everything. And he tells his dad and his dad's like, Oh, come on. It can't be that bad. So he, his dad goes to take him back up the stairs and gets to that same stair and just freezes. And his dad kind of turns to him and goes, yeah, you don't have to stay here tonight. And just almost runs back down the stairs. And he's like, what about my bag? And his dad just says, we'll get it in the morning. And so he slept <laughs> on the couch. And, they f and eventually, the next morning when it was broad daylight, they decide to go back up there to get his stuff. And it was fine. It was mm -hmm. like nothing happened. No weird feeling. They got up and got the bag and, and came back downstairs. And he slept on the couch for the rest of the vacation. But they never, they don't know what happened in the house. They don't know mm -hmm. if something happened. They just never got an explanation for it. So... <laughs> I totally relate to that. And I was sort of debating on whether or not I would tell this story on the show because it's like, yeah, it's kind of very similar where I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't really know what happened. But yeah. when my husband and I were looking for houses, we were looking at a ton of houses because the housing market in Chicago is very, very competitive. And mm -hmm. we would like be going to a showing like it would it would be like a, a place that would be listed that morning. I would call my realtor and say, we, we're ready tonight. Like, let's go to go see it. And then we'd mm -hmm. be on the way and we'd get a call from the other realtor like, oh, it's just gone under con contract. Like, you know, Ow. so we're canceling the showing tonight. So this happened to us nine times. So we were like very yeah. aggressive and we were just, you know, just seeing every house we could as soon as possible. 
So the neighborhood that we lived in was, um, it's called Andersonville, Chicago. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's very, very pricey. Most of the homes (laughs) in that neighborhood, I mean, I'd say like the homes, the sizes that we were looking at, they start around 700,000. Wow. Um, So we couldn't afford, (laughs) yeah, we couldn't afford a house in that neighborhood. Yeah. But my realtor gives me a call and is like, hey, there is a house like four blocks from you guys. It's uh, in your budget. It's like, it's a cute little brick house, three bedroom across from the park. Like, do you want to go see it? You're like, yeah, but you know, we're thinking, okay, there's definitely something wrong with it. It must be yeah. missing like the roof or like something's <laughs> really wrong with this house. Um, if it's in our budget and in our neighborhood. So we go see it and um, like it needs a little tuck pointing. Oh, and I should say this, that when we went to go see it, our realtor wasn't available. Peter was like, oh, my God, I have another showing. But let me get you this other realtor, like a junior realtor from my office and she'll show you around. So mm-hmm. we meet this this girl. Um, I think her name was Wendy. She was really nice. It was like you. Could, she was a student realtor. So, so she had not been out very much with people. Um mm-hmm. So, you know, she was like in a suit, like she was just really professional and really like gung ho and really excited to show us this property. And, um, you know, we'd go in and we're like, okay, it needs some tuck pointing. Okay, like there's an extension off the back that doesn't look super safe, but like it doesn't look that bad. Yeah. Like I was just like, oh, this is weird. Like I expected this place to be a total teardown, but it's, you know, it just needs a few things here and there. The upstairs was a little grimy, I have to say. Mm-hmm. It was a little weird. Um, there, you know, like the bedrooms were a little dirty and um, there's a lot of drawing on the walls, like kids had been there. Ooh. So we were like, okay, whatever. Um, so she's looking at the MLS sheet and she's like, this is so weird. Like it says it's a, you know, two and a half bathroom, but I don't know where this other, like, this half bathroom is and she's looking around and looking around and we're like running through the house like maybe it's just a mistake and then finally she goes oh silly me it must be in the basement oh geez and we're like oh okay well yeah let's look at the basement so we open the door to the basement and it's like the staircase has been removed oh god and instead it's been replaced by like this sort of ladder-ish thing (laughs) someone is just hastily built (laughs) and there's like nails sticking out of it and it just it looks wildly unsafe and so I'm like oh god I don't know if I should go down there and um we start looking around the house to see if there's like another door access to the basement and um finally like we, we find one and she's like let me just go check it out and then my husband goes, you know what? Let me go with you. Like, I, I don't know. I don't want you to go down there alone. Like, we just had like, a weird feeling. Yeah. And then I was like, well, if you guys are going, like, I'm going too. <laughs> and we go down to this basement and it's exactly the same thing that your stepdad was talking about. Like, yeah. I was fine. In fact, I was in a pretty good mood because I was like, hey, I might buy this house. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> like, um, but I just, I got into the basement and I was immediately sick. Like, I was just upset and sick and just, like, nauseous. And I was just terrified. Like, it was so weird. And it was, like, this giant basement space. It was a beautiful space. 
Um, it was a space that definitely should have been in the photographs or in the MLS sheet because it was a selling point. I was like, this basement is enormous. It had great light. It had a bathroom. It had a brand new washer and dryer. But it just the atmosphere, like all three of us suddenly were just ill. And the, the realtor, like she was like, oh, my God, we've got to get out of here. She was like, I feel like children died down here. And then we were like, yeah. And then, you know, she just was so upset that she even said that. She was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just said that. Like, I'm trying to sell this house. I can't. That was so unprofessional. Like, why did I say that? And I'm like, I know. I'm like, it was bad. Like, it was just bad. (laughs) That's like escaping a horror movie right there. Wow. Yeah. It just was. Yeah. The same feeling. So, yeah, I don't know what happened in that house. I know that it took a really long time to sell. Um, yeah. It and it shouldn't have. It absolutely shouldn't have. Um, yeah. It was a complete bargain, and I'm talking about like three hundred thousand at least under market wow. price. Um, and it took months. I, th- I we kept track of it. I think it took about six or seven months for that house to sell in a market where you know it's usually taking like a week or less. Yes. Um. So yeah, I, I don't know what happened, but yeah, I was just ill and. So was the realtor. So was my husband. Although no, he now he's like, well, I, we could have bought it. I mean, I would have rented it, but like, I would have lived there. Yeah. In hindsight, it's less scary, but like the ladder yeah. to the basement is like, no, something happened down there. Yeah. So just that in that moment, just if you're just sick, I I don't know. So yeah, that's it's interesting. Now I want to. Yeah. Oh, I know. So what's your other story? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, on the other story, I was tell I was talking to my stepdad. I was like, "It's the attic. Are you like a hundred percent sure that you weren't in the house from Jane Eyre?" Like, I felt like there right. might have been a wife because I had just listened to your your Jane Eyre episode. I was like, "You sure like a wife wasn't locked in that attic at some point?" You know it, and it happened a lot. <laughs> yeah, and they were in England. They were in the Moors. That was what you did. I mean, you know, it, I believe it cost uh, a bit of money to sort of you know commit your your spouse to an asylum. So uh, if you didn't have the money or the resources, then you had to put, you know, your relative who was unwell somewhere. And uh, the attic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so the, um, the other story is also like vacation on the moors. And I'm just like, why do you people keep thinking this is a good idea? (laughs) Um, But it was his uncle, my stepdad's uncle, and this it was in the 1930s, mm-hmm. so like right around sort of Depression era. And his uncle, had, his family was pretty well endowed, so they would take a summer in the moors. Every year they would rent a house and they would go like, it was on kind of the coast, so it would be sort of they would go boating or they would go sit on the beach or they would just kind of hike on the moors. And one year he was courting this girl because I don't think dating was a thing in the 30s. Mm-hmm. And his parents said, oh, you can bring her out here for like a week because they would stay for like almost the entire summer. And so he brought this girl out and clearly they weren't allowed to be alone together. But at some point they decided we're going to go for a walk to get away from his parents for a while. And they decided to just walk kind of down the road where they were, where they were staying and kind of out of the general sort of community or the village. And they walked for a while for a couple of miles and they come to like the top of this valley, like the, ahead of a valley and this is middle of nowhere this is miles from the the community they were staying in and at the bottom of the valley is this really old kind of stately looking home they weren't sure 
what year it was like when it had been built or whatever, but it was old. It was very clearly built by somebody who had money in the, in the 19th century. And they were like, Oh, maybe we should go check that out. Maybe see if somebody's living there. Cause it does look like a, like an interesting house, maybe find out more about it. And as they're kind of going to walk down the road into the valley, this they're on the side of the road, and this horse and carriage kind of just pulls up out of nowhere and kind of almost zooms past them. And this is like old horse and carriage, mm-hmm. like 19th century, we're carrying Queen Victoria kind of carriage. Mm-hmm. And it stops kind of a couple, maybe 30 feet in front of them, and... They're like, this is weird. Like, it's not <clears throat> uncommon to see a horse and carriage, but we, we are in the middle of nowhere. The the village is that way. Right. And it stops, and the door swings open. And they walk up to it. Door is still open. And they're just like, this is weird. We're not going to approach this carriage, because that's how people get murdered. And the door just, without warning, swings shut again. And the horse and carriage keeps going. And it pulls down into the valley and pulls up at the at the old home. And that's when they're like, all right, no, time to go. Time to leave. Right. And they turn back around. They walk back to the house. And they say nothing of it to his uncle's parents. They just decide, oh, that was weird. Let's just brush it off. But then a couple of days later, they decide to go back and see if they can find the house again. They maybe think, oh, maybe we were just freaked out. We were alone. It was kind of close to nighttime. So let's go check it out and see it again. It's probably just some old couple and their family living in this old home. And they retrace their steps and they're sure that they went the exact same way, but they get to the head of the valley and in the valley is nothing. There is no house. There is no horse and carriage. There's barely even a road to where they saw this house. And they're just like, er, there was definitely a house here. We're not crazy. Mm-hmm. And so they decide to kind of walk a couple more miles to see if they had maybe like if maybe they'd walked the wrong place or maybe they'd just come up a little bit short or gone a little bit too far and they get to another house. It's like another set of houses, kind of the beginning of another community. And they see this old farmer and they ask him, Hey, is there like an old kind of 19th century house around here anywhere? We saw it a couple of days ago, but we don't know where it is now. And he said, there's no, there's no big mansion around here. Like none at all. But there used to be one down over there, and he points to the direction from what, where they came, and he said, but it burned down about 50 years ago, which would have been in, like, the 1880s. And he was like, nice. all right, and just left. They were like, we want nothing to do with this. Goodbye. <laughs> so that was... The this Moors. This is why you don't on the Moors. <laughs> yes. They're haunted as shit. <laughs> exactly. Okay, I don't know if you want to, like, I don't know. When do you want to start? Let's see. Well, do you think something has, like, this is a question I've been asking all of our, like, guests that have been coming on the show where stuff happens to them personally. Is, like, do you think it's you that's maybe not attracting things or just that you are, like, sensitive to specific things? I don't know. I don't think that, like, I'm attracting anything, Mm -hmm. but I might be a little more sensitive than, like, your average person. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I'm as sensitive as some people. Like, I don't... Like, when I see things, like, it's, like, out of the corner of my eye. It's Mm -hmm. just, like, a feeling. It's, it's, like, an awareness. 
I don't like see dead people. Like, right. Like my friends. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's not like, you know, people are like hanging in the rafters at my house or something. Like, I just, I don't see that. I see right. like little things. Right. Um, so I think it's more of an awareness than anything else. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's like specific to me, or at least it isn't now. It might have been when I was a kid. Okay. Um, yeah. What anyway, was like? I know there was one, I do have one ghost story that was specific to me. Like okay. he was, the ghost was following me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was creepy. Were you a kid at <laughs> the time or? No, I was in college. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I, um, I mean, we can start with that one if you want. Yeah, let's uh, do it. So it's kind of a weird story to tell because over the years I've kind of forgotten how it started, mm-hmm. but, um, Oh, no, I do remember how it started. I don't remember, like, the middle part of it. I remember how it started and how it ended. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I went to school in Chico State, and there's this big, long um, road called the Esplanade. Um, and it's, like, tree-lined and really leafy, and everything's, like, shadowy. It's really pretty. Um, I remember driving my car back towards my house one day on the Esplanade, and I saw somebody jump out in front of my car. Like, legit. Mm-hmm. Like somebody jumped in front of my car and I hit them and I swerved to avoid it oh, and it was freaky and I was like screaming and then I look back and my car was fine. There was nobody there. I even circled on the block, like nothing, but I mm-hmm. knew I'd seen somebody jump in front of my car. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, and I specifically thought like, oh, this is like a dude my age that just jumped in front of my car, but it was a really mm-hmm. shadowy. So I thought maybe I just caught him in a wrong light. Mm-hmm. Nothing happened. No other cars, like, stopped. There was nothing going on. I didn't hit anybody. Like, there was no reports. Like, I was freaked out about this. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, like, brushed it off. Like, maybe I just saw something and, like, swerved and, like, my head convinced myself to do the rest. Like, whatever. So then, like, the second time that this happened, I don't really remember. But I remember thinking it was the same person that jumped in front of my car. Like, I got this very strong feeling. Mm-hmm. And they were a little bit clearer. Like I could see more details about them. And I was like, oh, this is, this is weird. And then the third time I specifically remember seeing this particular ghost was um, I was walking downtown late at night and I saw him in the shop window. Like it was a dark shop mm-hmm. and he was wearing a plaid shirt. So he was gaining even more definition. And I knew it was the same person that jumped in front of my car and I'd seen the second time. And I finally, like, talked to my friend about it who's, like, really into all of this. And I was like, look, like, something is following me. And so she told, like, I told her the story. And she's like, okay, the fact that it's gaining definition is a bad thing. <laughs> she's like, it means that you are, like, giving it more power. And mm-hmm. by thinking about it and by talking about it, like, it's not good. because you need to, like, wipe this dude from your brain. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. So, like, she came over and, like, staged my house. We put some salt on the windows. And um, I really, like, didn't talk about him for, like, two years. Like, I didn't even – I tried not to even think about it. Mm-hmm. And he eventually, like, went away. Like, I didn't see him again after that. And I didn't have any other issues. But I do think that was, like, the beginning of something. Like, if I kept letting it go, like, it would have gotten stronger. So right. that's fun. <laughs> I feel like you should have staged your car, too. <laughs> Maybe you should have staged my car, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it had something to do with that car. I don't remember which one I was driving at the time, but yeah. There's a very similar, like, Chicago sort of urban legend ghost story about a um, a ghost who people think that they hit. Um, oh, yeah. I, I feel like her name is Cemetery Mary or something like that, but there oh, is... Oh, yeah, no, I've heard those. She, like, sits outside yeah. the cemetery and, like, 
tries to hitchhike or steps in front of your car and then people yeah. think that they've hit her. Yeah. This is totally a supernatural episode too. Okay. Um, but yes, yeah, I think you're right. right. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I've seen that. That also that episode scared the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm like terrified that's gonna happen. Like to me one day, like there's gonna well, be a ghost in the backseat of my car. <laughs> well, yeah. After this. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean this is like God, probably like seven or eight years ago now at this point, maybe six. Okay. But, yeah. Gotcha. It was a while ago. I haven't seen him since. It's fine. There's been other ghosts to take his place. Right. Probably. You've moved around and you've moved around into various like haunted places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't think. I think my first place in Boston was haunted, but mm-hmm. it was really hard to like talk about because I'm pretty sure it was just the bathroom. We had like a huge okay. bathroom for like this tiny place and I always felt super uncomfortable in there and I don't know why like to this mm-hmm. day don't know why it gave me the creeps and this is weird because like I love taking long baths so I will legit mm-hmm. spend a lot of time in the bathroom if I can like and doing your makeup and like it's a girl thing to spend a ton of time in the bathroom right nope I spent as little time in that bathroom as possible it was the only bathroom in the like, apartment so it sucked like mm-hmm. nobody was home like I would try not to like use the bathroom at all <laughs> it was bad it was, and it always gave me the creeps walking by it in the hallway too. And like, I, this, oh god, this has no good ending because I, there's no ghost story attached to this. But it was creepy. Oh, yeah. but that apartment did have something super weird in the bottom. The it was a three story apartment, and the bottom floor, like the bottom floor, was this um, butcher shop called Meatland of all places. That's a great and, name. Great, great name. name. Uh, I used to come home and people would try to sneak onto the roof. Like, they come up to our apartment and jump over the porch to take a picture with the Meatland sign. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the amount of people I found sneaking onto the, the roof, I was like, you know, there's a there's a gate right here. You don't have to jump over that <laughs> gate. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, but, so then the apartment started below that. Like, above mm-hmm. that. I mean, so you had the first floor was Meatland. And then the next three floors were the apartments. And I lived on the third floor. Mm-hmm. And um, the very bottom, because you could take the back stairs to get into the backyard, uh, which we hardly ever use unless we're like taking the trash out or something, mm-hmm. like had a, a door leading to the basement. And I swear to God, this thing looked straight out of a horror movie. It was bolted shut with like multiple locks. It had boards across it so that you could have to pry off the boards first to like oh, even get or like I swear you like throw some green goop around it and like put a like burned up hazmat suit at the bottom and it could have been in any horror movie scenario ever it was the right. weirdest thing I still like nobody touched that door nobody went near it we all like mm-hmm. avoided talking about it I don't that I don't know maybe it had something to do with my bathroom I don't know <laughs> <laughs> um anyway so yeah so not much in Boston um I don't think I saw any ghosts out there although Boston's certainly plenty haunted yeah but um I moved back to California after I lived there for a few years and I'm originally from like California and the apartment I'm living in now and I feel a little weird talking about this because I'm currently sitting in the apartment and I don't like to talk about it while I'm in the apartment that totally makes sense I'm like and we have the video on usually I have like just to do an audio call for the podcast but I'm like Like, I want to see this apartment Uh, yeah, like this is where I've seen her. So I'm gonna. Oh God! Gonna if I see her, her, I might start screaming. So she shows up. Um, yeah. So in my apartment right now, I'm pretty sure there's a little girl who lives here. Um, and I've done some research on the house. The house is like 
built in 18, I want to say 1880, maybe a little bit earlier, maybe a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Definitely turn of the last century. Okay. And um, it's actually like on some historical register for the city. It got turned into apartments. So mm-hmm. I just live in a little tiny studio apartment. But um, whenever, well, not whenever, that's not really the right way to say it. Sometimes when I'm like putting on my makeup or, mm-hmm. you know, just hanging out in the bathroom like I do usually, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you can tell, there's a TV right here, like a little TV. Okay, I see it, yeah. Um, it used to be angled a little bit differently, and when I'm standing at my bathroom mirror, I can see that TV, and it, it like, reflects this part of the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've legit seen a little girl standing in my room reflected in that TV before. Um, uh... Yeah, and she, <laughs> she's not harmful. Like You don't have her... a bad feeling when you see her. I don't have a bad feeling when I see I think she likes to watch me get ready to go out. Okay. Uh, and so I kind of have a, like, I I generally make a deal with, like, whatever I feel in the room. I'm like, okay, like, I won't bug you. You don't bug me. Like, you're, you know, we can cohabitate, but please recognize that I am the living one in this situation, and I need this to be home. Right. <laughs> I'm like, so I I don't really... I don't talk about it a lot when I'm in the apartment. Sorry, one of my, um, <laughs> something just, like, moved over there and it freaked me out for a second. <laughs> I have, like, um, uh, scarves draped over some things and, like, okay. the scarves just kind of stirred. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> um, and so, anyway, I, I'm like, okay, like, we just do our own thing and I don't really talk about her when I'm home. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of like, I was like, Oh God, I don't even want to talk about her. Like while I'm sitting on my bed, she's going to show up behind me. Watch. Um, no, but she's not like, she doesn't seem malevolent. That being said, I think that she's like holding something else at bay. And I don't know if it's her or if it's something else, because there is right. definitely something a little scary in this apartment. Um, and I think it just has to do partially with age and the amount of people who've lived in this house and the neighborhood mm-hmm. is really old. So it could just be something kind of like not well-intentioned hanging over the area. I don't think it has to do with me. Mm-hmm. Um, there used to be a lot of floods in this part of town. Okay. Um, anyway, so I, I know for a fact that a little girl a couple of houses down back in the 1880s died. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was like murdered at church. Um, and that was a couple blocks away. Like she was like strangled and like raped and stuff, and like oh, left her in like the bell tower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super creepy. Um, so I don't think it's that little girl because she definitely she didn't live in this house, but she lived in the neighborhood. Okay, so, I don't. Know. Maybe that could be why I don't see her very often because she doesn't actually live here. I don't know. Now, um, how long have you been in that apartment? Two years. Okay. So yeah. you've seen her, and you've really seen her more than yeah. once. She's had a couple I'd of appearances. Her, yeah, I'd say probably four or five times. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. But like oh. I said, it's always just like it's mostly a feeling and occasionally yeah. like as a, a quick glance. Yes. So, yeah. I have I something know. very very similar in my place. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't feel bad. And so okay, I that's- I tend to joke about it as well. So I call her Loretta. Um. The person well, see, that, I haven't named mine. You I haven't really, named her? Okay. Yeah. I, um, I have no idea if it's Loretta. Uh, so my house is 100 years old, and the woman who owned it previous uh, was named Loretta. She lived here for 70 years. 
uh, we're the only the third owners of the house. Um, and she, yeah, she buried two husbands while she lived here. Um, yeah, so she was here until her 90s. And wow. she just she just passed. And then we, we purchased the house from her family. So I call it Loretta. I hope it's Loretta because it feels very positive, but unclear. Unclear what it is. <laughs> I like how you're looking around, like, looking. I know. Well, you know, it's funny is, um... I live in a very, um, I'm in Chicago. I'm in a very Irish Catholic neighborhood. Um, this house, when we moved in, every single room had a ton of crucifixes. Oh, my God. So the room that I'm in right now has two. So there's one right in front of me and there's one right behind me, actually, up on the, Jesus. yeah. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of that happening. There's lots of saints as well um, that are placed everywhere. And, um... There were a ton that are in our basement. So the basement was a selling point for us because it was huge. It had a lot of light. And we were just like, oh, my God. Yeah, we have to have this house. Um, And there was a door in the basement oh. that was boarded up when we bought the place. No. Yeah. Didn't open it. And it was, like, really funny because, like, we asked the previous, like, well, the kids, Loretta's kids, we said, you know, what's in this door? Like, who boarded up this door? And they're like, we don't know it was like that when we got the house. And we were like, well, you got the house 70 years ago. Oh, my God. It's been boarded up for 70 years and you opened it? Yes. So I told my husband, I was like, listen, you got to leave it. You got to, I just, I don't want this door open. I think we should just leave it. And he was like this is crazy. He doesn't believe in, he's like, I don't believe in ghosts. This is nuts. This is exactly how horror films start. It's exactly how horror films start. And I should, um, on our Instagram, like I should post some pictures of like what the door looked like. Cause it's insane. So I'll oh. post photos of what this whole situation looked like. So I actually went to a convention for work. I was at the convention and my husband starts sending me these photos and he had like gone to home Depot and gotten like, giant lights and just like a crowbar and just like all this equipment and he was like while you're gone like I'm opening the door and I was just like no don't do it time (laughs) Um, for a divorce I right so um yeah he opened the door and inside we found um and the reason why he was like so you know like we have to open the doors when we got the inspection right there you said inside we found and then you like interrupted (laughs) your claws and oh my god what did you find inside then you can tell me what happened um well inside and i will post pictures of this too there had been a bar like they had made like a little bar so this little room it's sort of like underneath our porch and it was like basically a speakeasy. So there was a bar. Awesome. There were... That is the best possible outcome. For <laughs> yeah, me. it's crazy. There were like candlesticks everywhere. There were beer coasters everywhere. There were papers um, talking about this this thing that might happen, which was World War II. Um, you found a 1930s era speakeasy in your basement. Yes, there were 30 one jugs for these like for whiskey or for moonshine or for you know whatever oh my god i'll also those are like all over my basement i will um take pictures of those too some of them might be worth something so i really need to like unload some of these but um yeah there was just there are actually bottles of liquid too that were in there 
It was crazy. I, I just turned from being really terrified for you to being really jealous of you. Oh my <laughs> god, it's so awesome. It was pretty awesome. Um, I mean, it's a total mess. So we've had I mean, to like release like the spirit of like a vengeful speakeasy bartender that's gonna like. <laughs> I don't know, drop whiskey bottles on your head at night. <laughs> right? And these bottles are, like, heavy. These could absolutely kill a man. Oh, They're my God. They're huge. So um, that was in our basement. And then, like, I I don't know. Like, he opened it up pretty soon after we moved in. And the reason he opened it up was that the inspector was like, oh, moisture could be getting trapped in there. And you should really, you know, you should air that out. Um, After and, 70 years, what's opening it up going to, like, do that hasn't already happened? Let's I know. I was like, just leave it. Just leave it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a cool discovery. I mean, there's, like, lanterns. There's papers. There's all kinds of stuff in that speakeasy. Like, it looked like they were having a fun time in there. Um, but... It was not too long afterwards, and I think it was just because we, you know, that was within the first couple months of us living here. I just started <laughs> noticing things, and there's, like, a presence, and there's, like, doors that open, and, like, sometimes my dog gets really freaked out, and there's someone that likes to sit on my bed. Oh, yeah, you gotta yeah. go. <laughs> Hopefully it's just Loretta. I hope it's just uh Loretta. It feels fine. So something else happened when I was in Chico and you said talking about doors opening reminded me. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so my last year at Chico, I lived in this old, I like living in old houses that have been converted. Apparently that's mm -hmm. my thing. Um, that's probably where a lot of this trouble stems from. Right. <laughs> um, so I lived in this old house that was kind of like off on this weird corner. We were like the only house on the block. Um, and it was like, it was like surrounded by like the railroad tracks really close and when I say really close I mean like you could stick your arm out the kitchen window and like be in danger okay. um really close to the train tracks like they wouldn't build them that close anymore mm -hmm. and then we had a couple of warehouses and then like just a bunch of trees and like a creek and so we were kind of alone in this little corner like it, it could get really quiet and um so I lived in the back apartment and the first night that I moved in I was by myself in the apartment and I was trying to figure out which bedroom I wanted to take because my roommate wasn't going to be there. He said I could choose. So I decided, okay, well, I'll pick the room that's, like, more in towards the interior of the house instead of the exterior because that's closer to the railroad tracks. Mm -hmm. So I moved into, I'll call it, like, bedroom A and bedroom B, right? Mm -hmm. So bedroom A was closer to the inside of the house. So I moved into that one, and I slept the first night in there, and I did not like it. And I couldn't figure out why. Like, I just did not feel comfortable, but I, like, chalked it up to a new house, right? right. Like, when you first time you're sleeping in a new house, it's always weird. So I was like, no, nah, I think I'm going to move into the next bedroom. So I pulled all my stuff over into the next bedroom. He ended up taking that bedroom. Now, mind you, bedroom A had shared an interior wall with the apartment in the middle. So what had happened was when the house got split up into apartments, the very front was a studio, the middle was a two-bedroom, and the back was a two-bedroom. Okay. And, um, like, the sh kitchen, dining room, living room was all one big area, and then there was a bathroom, and then two bedrooms on, like, the far side of the house. So, and it was the same for both the middle and the back apartments, and I lived in the back one. So my roommate moves in, everything's fine, like, it wasn't great, like, he wasn't the best roommate ever, but, like, senior year of college, like, it was fine. Um, and every once in a while, like, there was a couple that lived in the middle apartment, 
And they were nice enough, but I didn't really talk to them that much. And I could, like, hear them arguing a lot. It was really annoying. Like, you could hear them slamming shit in the kitchen because their kitchen backed it up against our living room. Mm-hmm. And it was just weird. I Every once in a while, too, it would be super weird because I'd walk outside to kind of, like, you know, like, when you're, like, going to, like, posture and, like, go yell at your neighbors, but you don't actually yeah. ever go but you just kind of stomp outside to like glare at their door and like then stomp back inside. Mm-hmm. So I'd go do that. And then I'd like, there'd be nobody fucking home. Like nobody was home when I was hearing like shit slam next door. And I was like, well, like I always like wrote it off as like, well, maybe I just can't tell. Like maybe they're in their bedroom and like mm-hmm. they don't have the lights on in their kitchen. Like, cause that was the only window I could see, like whatever. So one day it's like, I remember it was like this beautiful sunny spring day and I was going to go, I was like taking the trash out. And I see this guy like sitting on the curb. And remember I told you like we lived at the end of like this weird block, like nobody else was around. Mm-hmm. There's like nobody ever down there. And so I was kind of like keeping an eye on him. I was like, what the hell is this guy gonna do? And I like go back out for something else and he's still sitting out there like half an hour later. And I kind of like being the freaking weirdo talking to strangers that I am, I started up a conversation with him. And I was like, hey, like, what, what are you doing in this neck of town? Like, you know, there's nothing around here. And he goes, oh, I'm waiting for a friend to come pick me up. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> so he got to talking and he goes, yeah, I actually, I knew about this house because I used to live here. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I was like, which, which one did you live in? He goes, oh, I lived in the very back apartment. I was like, oh, that's the one I live in. And it was a hot day. So I was like, oh, do you want to like, do you want a glass of water or something? I know, I know, don't get mad at me, like, for inviting a stranger into my home. Um, but he said, yeah, and so I, like, invited him in and gave him some water, we were chatting, and he's like, oh, yeah, did they tell you about the murder yet? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he goes, yeah, there's a ghost here. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he goes, he goes, can't you hear cupboards slamming and people arguing? And I started freaking out. Yeah. Like, you have no idea. Like, I, I was almost screaming. I was, like, so freaked out. And I was like, you have, you have to tell me everything. And he goes, okay, yeah. So, like, five years before, maybe, like, less, he was living there as a student, just like I was. And there was a couple in the middle apartment, just like what was going on. And apparently the guy, like, they were meth heads or something. And they got into a huge argument and he killed her. And he, he like, cut her up to, into pieces and shoved most of her body into our trash cans, mm-hmm. put them out on the sidewalk, and then took her head down to the river and, like, kicked it into the river. And they, like, found him, and, like, he's in jail. Like, it's all fine. They got him. Mm-hmm. But um, he was like, yeah, like, I used to hear them arguing all the time and, like, cupboards slamming because their cupboards were right up against the kitchen doors. And he's like... Yeah, and sometimes, like, I'd, like, see weird shit, and doors would float open, and I was, like, freaking out, because all of that has happened, Mm -hmm. and I was working for the local paper at the time, so I was able to go back into our archives and, like, pull up, like, the story from around the time he said, and I found it, Mm -hmm. and confirmed that somebody had actually died in my apartment next door, like, it was all, like, just like he said, they stuffed the body in the garbage (laughs) they were meth heads, and it was just, Oh my god, it freaked me out. I hated that apartment ever since then. I like couldn't couldn't deal with it. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Did you ever talk to the couple that lived there while you were there? Yeah, so I asked them about it because the guy the guy in the couple had been living there a lot longer than us and I was mm-hmm. like, Hey, like I know like okay, so California law, if somebody dies in a house, I think it's five years 
renting or buying, they have to be informed. It's okay. like in California. So I asked him, I was like, I know you've been here for a few years and this happened a couple years ago. So you would fall in that time frame. I was like, did you, did you know that this happened in your apartment? He goes, oh yeah, I was the, the renter right after that couple. Oh, and I was like, oh, and he goes, yeah, the landlord had to tell me what I already knew. Everybody knew. Sure. Yeah. Because it's a small town. Like everybody knows when stuff like that happens. Yeah. And he was yeah, I was like, have you ever seen anything freaky? And he goes, no. Like, okay, because <laughs> okay. I have. It's like, you're a slam when you're not home. <laughs> like, okay, nice chatting with you, neighbor I never talked to. <laughs> right. Yeah, he was fine. I never talked to him because he was really cute, and I, like, was awkward around him. That's why. <laughs> I'm sure he's a really nice guy. Um, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> terrifying, and that's, like, a legit murder. <laughs> yeah. A legit murder. Yeah. I, yeah. So now I'm like sleeping in that room because that room, the reason why I started the story with that is because that he supposedly killed her in their bedroom mm-hmm. and their bedroom is the one that shares a wall with bedroom okay. in our apartment. So. And we are back to a safe space. Right? No more scary stories. I don't know that I'm ever going to sleep again. Okay. Ever. That's that's good because it's already like 2 a.m. your time. So it is 10 to 2 a.m. Yes. Nice. And I actually have. We could just podcast all night. We could just podcast all night. I once um, watched a bunch of scary movies at a sleepover with my friends and I can't remember which one it was but everything started going wrong at 3am every morning and oh, no. this film finished at 2.43 and I was like <laughs> everyone promise me that you are staying awake until 3.30 they're like Hannah why and I was like you have to stay awake until 3.30 no one is going to sleep before then because I cannot be the only person awake at 3am when all of this stuff's gonna happen and then guess what happened one by one everyone fell asleep and I was paralyzed with fear at 3am like paralyzed oh that's like the joy of a sleepover that's so good I miss those times being paralyzed with fear Yes. Do you know what I'm remembering just now? I actually do have a spooky story that's sort of Bronte related. Do you want to hear it? Of course. Okay. So a few years ago, I went to Surrey. And um, Surrey was really an interesting experience, I got to say. <laughs> what? Like, the only thing I knew about Surrey was that... Um, Carrie Grant is from the. Yes, I knew that. And then I knew actually that um, they had filmed scenes for, in Surrey for the holiday. It's where like, yeah. Kate Winslet lives. So what's funny is like, as That's I was That's how I know my... Cary Grant is from that. Oh, really? <laughs> from the holiday. God. <laughs> I love that film. What's funny is like on my way there, I was like, oh, I wonder if we'll see Jude Law. Just joking. Like dumb comment. And then um, on my way out of Surrey, I was, I had to take a, um, a hired car into London because I had a really, really early train to York and I just couldn't make the train work like to get into London at a reasonable time with all my luggage and stuff. So um, I was looking for a taxi and all the taxis were quoting me like these crazy prices. This is totally not the ghost story, guys, but it's a good story. And um, my the hotel manager was like calling around to people and he goes, listen, 
Um, I actually know a private driver that um, he works in London, but he lives in Surrey and he's commuting into work and he can like just drop you off like on his way to work tomorrow. And I was like, cool. cool. And oh what I did not realize was this private driver worked for Jude Law. What? And on our way into London, like he just like Jude Law just kept calling him like every five minutes, like, are you almost here? And oh my gosh, I want to go here and I want to do this. And he was like just talking about his plans for the day. And he sounded so neurotic. <laughs> it was yeah, insane. I mean, yeah, he's he strikes me as being someone he's a little bit. He was a little bit like, yeah. And then he was really upset because the driver had, it was a a sedan that we were driving into London in. I don't know what car. I'm terrible with cars. But Jude kept like calling like, I thought we were going to drive the Range Rover today. Like, why aren't we, why aren't we in the Rover? What's what's going on? And then, you know, I don't know. The driver would just like say something. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention to him. I was just like really focused on Jude Law. But it was funny because the driver was just like, be quiet, be very quiet. Don't make any noises. Like, I'm not supposed to be doing, like, outside jobs. I was like, okay, I won't say anything. Would you ever cast Jude Law in a Bronte Austin or Gaskell adaptation? Um, I mean, I think he's probably more Austin, right? I would cast him as a Mr. Elton. Yeah, yeah, um, he'd be a good Mr. When Elton. When he was younger, uh, Mr. Collins, possibly oh you know who he'd be good as yeah. in a few years um i think jude law and tom hiddleston would be amazing at this role walter elliott yes oh my gosh jude law would slay as sir walter elliott anyway ghost story my god we've gotten way off track but we're gonna go back so the hotel i was staying at was called the angel posting house And um, I believe, I can't remember, I'm going to have to go back and fact check this, guys. But that was the same hotel that when Emily and Charlotte were going to Brussels, when their dad kind of like accompanied them and like was like, hey, let's make a few stops so I can see a few friends on our way to Brussels. That's where they stayed. Um, So the I mean, the hotel did like claim that Emily and Charlotte stayed there and they actually had a suite that was like their room. Actually, every single um, room at the Angel Posting House is like named after an author or a politician or like a famous actor that stayed there. Oh, that's convenient. Yeah. And um, so now this Charlotte and Emily suite is a really good restaurant that we went to. Oh, when cool. I was there. And um, I can't remember who I like what which room I stayed in. It was like a pol- it was like a British politician. I was like, who is this? Um. And the hotel's super, super old, and it's supposedly very, very haunted, and it actually looks very haunted. And it was one of those things, like, if you go to, like, the TripAdvisor page, like, people say, like, you know, 2 a.m., like, they hear lots of noises, and books get thrown around, and doors slam, and there's one suite in particular um, that's uber haunted, and... um, I can't remember which Bond it was. It was, like, one of the actors that played James Bond, like he stayed there when he was filming one of the Bond movies and said that like it, it was crazy haunted and that he was hearing voices and like seeing things in the middle of the night. And that I bet it was Roger Moore. he had to, I, it might've been Roger Moore and that he had to like open up a book and um, leave it to like a certain like Bible verse to get it to stop. What? So um, I was oh, like I'm reading through all these. <laughs> I was 
reading through all the like TripAdvisor stories when I was there and I was super excited because um, I was like, oh, I hope this hotel is really haunted. And, you know, I just I stayed up all night kind of like in fear and um, nothing happened. <laughs> That's a rubbish ghost story. I know nothing happened, but it does have a Charlotte Bronte connection. I did one day open the window and a pigeon came in and it landed on my head. So that that was at this hotel or just like his, yeah, at or this hotel. His, yeah, yeah, at the hotel. I just feel like I could say any story where I'm like, oh, I have a Jane Austen related story. Would you like to hear it? So one day <laughs> I thought I might be haunted by Jane Austen. But I no, wasn't. Come on. Come I wasn't. On. It didn't it was, happen. I stayed in a hotel where Charlotte Bronte and Emily Bronte stayed. Supposedly the hotel is very, very haunted. But sadly, whenever I would open at the Jane Austen Center or close at the Jane Austen Center, I would get a bit nervous about turning the lights on or off. Because I really do not like wax figures. And yeah, there aren't wax figures in the exhibition, but there are headless mannequins wearing clothes. And I would walk through and I'd get really freaked out. And also mirrors are quite scary, aren't they? And so I would have to <laughs> dash past the mirror in the exhibition. Um, and You're such a scaredy cat. I didn't realise. And also, tonight. yeah, just really, which just have to run through. I don't like being on my own in places. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, yeah, I'm a, I'm a real wimp. I'm a real scaredy cat. Well, now I'm going to leave you on your own. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just you and your cats and your dog and but it's hey, 2 a.m. in England. I could possibly have been haunted by Charlotte Bronte, but I won't be. <laughs> you won't be. I won't be. We all know she's at rest, guys. She's at rest. Branwell, though. <laughs> yeah. He's the one to watch out for. Anyway, I'd like to give a shout out to all of our interviewees this week. Thank you guys so much for sharing your stories with us and everyone go follow them at drunk Austin. I'm sure most of you already are um, at Maggie underscore Rachel and at creepy co go buy yourself some uh, awesome skeleton pins guys.